You're listening to Inward with Rabbi Joey Rosenfeld on the Shefa Podcast Network. Join Rabbi Joey as he guides us through the world and major works of Kabbalah, Hasidic masters, and Jewish philosophy, shedding light on the inner life of the soul. Okay, so Be'ezras Hashem tonight, we're going to be starting a new series of shirim. And this series of shirim is going to be titled Nighttime of the World, shirim on the first Mishnah in Masechus Brachos. Now what we're going to try and do tonight is we're going to try and give a little bit of context behind the mission or what we're going to try and do in terms of focusing on the origin of Tarash Peh of trying to understand and gain some insight into what Chazal offered us when they opened up Shisha Sidre Mishnah, when they opened up the world of Torah Shabal Peh with the first Mishnah and Brachos in particular. Part of the humble attempt over here is to show something that the Tzaddik and the Goan Rav Yitzhak Maya Morgenstern Shlita has been talking about for a very long time. And that is that very often a person begins to assume that there's a dichotomy, there's a split between the worlds of Torah. That a person starts off with Niglosa Torah, a person begins in the revealed elements of Torah, studying Torah's Moshe, the Chamishicham Shei Torah, Nach, coming to understand Halacha, Mishnah, Gemara, Poskim. And theoretically, or at least as the authoritative commentators have expressed throughout history, only once a person has completed their mission or accomplished their role in the realm of the revealed aspects of Torah, the exoteric expression of the way that a Jewish person is supposed to function in this world, only then are they able to graduate and go into the deep end of Nistarosa Torah, of the hidden realms of Torah, of the esoteric of Torah, of Panimiyasa Torah. And very often, and you find this very explicitly in the writings of the Arizal and his Talmidim, Rav Chaim Vital, in particular in his introduction to the Eitz Chaim Kadisha, that in relationship to Panimiyasa Torah, in relationship to the deeper ideas hidden within the Torah, the revealed Torah is considered to be something secondary that halacha and gemara, all of those elements of the revealed teachings of the Torah, the Mishnah, are seen as a stepping stone for a person to come and arrive at the world of Nistarosa Torah. To the extent that one who focuses too strongly and exclusively on Niglosa Torah is referred to as someone who is eating from the Eitz Hadas Tovara, somebody who is eating from that unfortunate symptom of human frailty and human failure, that Eitz Hadas Tovara, that place of distortion and confusion, that one who learns only Niglos Torah is said to live within the realm, the space of the information of the revealed Torah, which is the world of the Eitz Hadas Tovara. 
versus someone who lives in the world of Nistara someone who delves deeply into the teachings of Kabbalah, into the teachings of Pnimiya Satora, is said to be someone who lives eating from the Eitzachayim. And we find such a distinction between the revealed aspects of Torah and the concealed aspects of Torah, that if one is not careful, they can come to assume that the ultimate goal of Niglosa Torah, that the ultimate goal of learning the exoteric expressions of the Torah Sanigla, of Mishnah, Gemara, Halacha, is simply secondary to the ultimate goal of coming to the apex of starting to study the inner teachings of Torah. But what our tzaddikim have shown us over and over, especially the tzaddik, Rav Yitzhak Morgenstern Shlita, is that in truth, there's a three-step process. It's not simply a two-step process. Everything holy is comprised of three stages, not simply two. From the perspective of two stages, so yes, a person learns niglosa Torah, learns the revealed aspects of Torah for the sake of moving upwards towards the concealed aspects of Torah, that Torah that speaks to the neshama and not just to the guf. But it doesn't end there because the entire purpose, the entire value, the essential goal when a person properly studies Panemia Satora, when a person properly understands the inner teachings of Torah, is to then return back to Niglo Satora, to go back, to make a detour back to the original space of Torah that one began with, Niglo Satora, what was apparently cold and, and detail-oriented and specific on its revealed behavioral tendencies of halacha to tell us how to function, and our job at that point is to force the lights of Pnimiya Satora into the vessels of Niglo Satora. The goal ultimately is to reveal the hidden Torah within the revealed Torah. And for a person to begin to look at Niglo Satora in such a way that they come to understand that Be'emes in truth, it's of a deeper level than Pnimiya Satora. When I learn the externalities of Torah, Torah Sanigla, without any understanding of the inner essence of what those ideas are coming to teach, that is an introduction that leads me towards Panimiya Satora. And then I come to learn Panimiya Satora, I come to understand the neshama of all things. But one who simply stops at understanding the neshama has lost out on the true essence of the purpose of Talmud Torah, which is then to draw the neshama back into the guf to draw Nishma Satora, Panimiya Satora, back into the Kalim of Niglo Satora, so that the Halacha and the Gemara and the Mishnah and the Torah Shebuch Sav are now no longer in contradiction, God forbid, to Panimiya Satora, but rather they become vessels that allow us to reveal the true potency of Panimiya Satora in a newfound, hitherto unrevealed way. Because now what I have done is I have taken the Neshama, I have taken that space of openness and expansivity and creativity and all of the elements that come along with the study of the hidden aspects of Torah, the neshama of Torah, how the Torah speaks to my soul, not only to my body. I take that residual space of the infinite light of a Kaddish Baruch Hu's concealed Torah and I drag it back in to the vessels of the revealed Torah so that now when I study Shas, when I study Mishnah, when I study whatever it is that I'm studying, I see no distinction between the connectivity that I have to HaKadosh Baruch Hu and to my neshama when I'm learning Niglo Satora or when I'm learning Nistara Satora. That when a person properly 
understands Panimiya Satora, they'll also come to understand that there is nothing deeper, nothing more concealed, nothing more unifying and amuna drawing than studying the revealed concepts of Torah, of studying a halacha, of learning how a person has to live their lives in this world. There were certain tzaddikim who spent their entire lives trying to engage in this unification. The unification of the revealed aspects of Torah and the concealed aspects of Torah. Not simply to show that there's unity between the two of them and that they're twin Torahs, but rather to say that the essence of the externalities of Torah is ultimately when we draw that light back down into the concealment of the revealed aspects of Torah that seem to be at first glance devoid of spirituality. The tzaddikim like Rabbi Nosson of Nimrov who spent the end of his life writing the tremendous, masterful, miraculous work of Lukute Halachos, trying to draw the teachings of his master, Rabbi Nachman, into the Shulchan Aruch itself, so that every simon in the Shulchan Aruch now becomes a gateway to understanding the depths of Rabbi Nachman's Torah. We saw this with the Arizal and Rabbi Vital in terms of Tameh HaMitzvos, you see this in later generations, and this is a model that the Tzaddik Rav Yitzhak Maya Morgensterns follows very strongly. We see this when it comes to the Ragachav Ergon, who through Svara of Panemius, utilizing the Svara of Morin and that concealed element of Torah, and applying it to the Svara of Lamdus and how to learn Halacha properly, we saw this profound unification of the secret of abstraction, of this open-endedness that's associated with the hidden aspects of Torah, being drawn down into the revealed vessels of Chitzoni Satira. You saw this by tzaddikim like Rav Yosef Engel, who on every daf of their writings, you see a unity between the twin Torahs. You see how the revealed Torah and the concealed Torah are ultimately expressive of one another. Now, what the Rebbe points out in his Akdamatis, Biur on Shas, is that this relationship between these two elements of Torah is identical to the relationship of what we're trying to do when it comes to grasping HaKadosh Baruch Hu in this world. That when it comes to learning Niglo Satora alone, if all a person is doing is studying Mishnah, Halacha, Torah Shabbat, devoid of an awareness of the neshama that pulsates at the depth of those words, unaware of the fact that halacha is the Rosh Tevos of Hariu Hashem Kol Haaretz, that every halacha that a person learns and tries to live with is in fact the deepest unification that the Jewish neshama is capable of, then Niglos HaTorah appear to be worlds of separation. They appear to be worlds that are associated with distortion, where the clarity of the neshama, the unity of HaKadosh Baruch Hu is not apparent that world of kosher and usr, of tamay and tahor, of pasal and mutter. It seems to be a world of darkness and concealment. And then a person goes to the world of the Zayar Kadosh and the Arizal and the Rashash and the Baal Shem Tov and the Vilnagon and the Ramchal and all of the tzaddikim. And a person feels like they're tasting shamayim. A person feels like they freed themselves from the confines of that detail orientation of Niglo Satora. And so we have this stark contrast between the separation of the revealed aspects of Torah, corresponding to worlds of separation, worlds of distortion, and we have the world of Pnimiya Satorah, of Nistara Satorah, which represents the world of unity. But then the level above that, as we've known all along, 
the level of Kesser, is when a person has the capacity of drawing down the unity of Nistarasa Torah, drawing down that light of the Neshama, that awakeness, that wakefulness in the heart of the Neshama that is spoken and aroused within the individual through the secrets of Torah, and you drag it back down into the revealed aspects of Torah, thereby revealing that the secrets of unity the secrets of that unbridled light of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, as indicated by Panimia Satora, doesn't simply exist in the realm beyond details, doesn't simply exist in that realm that is completely removed from details and distortion, but rather it expresses itself in a newfound and more intense way, specifically within concealment. That when I draw the light of Panimia Satora into the guf of Niglo Satora, without negating Niglo Satora, but rather animating Niglo Satora, what I reveal is light of the highest form of Torah, which is where the Nigla and the Nister are mityached together, where the concealed and the revealed are one and the same. And I now begin to understand the true secret of Hariul Hashem Kol Haaretz, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu could be found down here in the most arcane details of human experience, as well as up there in the most expansive states of the Neshama. That for a person who has truly understood the secret of Torah Lishma, of that Yichud, that connectivity between the revealed aspect of Torah and the concealed aspect of Torah, is a person who has come to understand the secret of something and nothingness operating in unison, which is the light of Keser, which is the light of that infinite unity of HaKadosh Baruch Hu that reveals that even darkness is light. Phrased differently, Niglo Satora, revealed aspects of Torah are associated with the sense of I-ness, of subjectivity. There is a subjective experience of engaging with halacha, of understanding Svara HaYashera, of, of penetrating the text deeply with a sense of egoism. And then there's the world of ayin, of nothingness, where I leave behind the details and I ascend into the spectacular place of unifications and Maisa Merkava, where I lose the sense of self. And until we reach that third level, those two levels appear to be separate and in contrast to one another. But with the true awareness of Panimia Satora, whose ultimate purpose is to be drawn back down into Niglo Satora, into the revealed aspects of Torah, thereby animating the body of the revealed Torah to show that inherent within the details is that which exceeds all imaginable details that stuck within the measurements themselves is the immeasurable light that animates the measure. At that point, the person comes to understand the true unity of the Torah and the true unity of experience where I am no longer simply operating on a level of ani, of ego, no longer simply operating on a level of ayin, of nothingness and nullification of ego, but rather, as the tzaddikim tell us, and Rav Yitzhak Meyer Morgenstern points out so often, this is the darga of ani v'ayin bevas achas. It is the sense of subjectivity and nothingness at once. It is an engagement with the details, with the specificities of what it means to be a person who studies the minutia of the law, who interrogates every aspect of a text for the sake of clarified reasoning, in spite of the fact that the subject matter is not speaking of spiritual matters. And specifically within those broken down texts, specifically within those emotionless, weightless texts of Niglo Satora, a person comes to uncover the depths of spirituality, thereby revealing the interplay between light and darkness, between concealment and revelation, between somethingness and nothingness, revealing that light of Kesser. And this Torah, this is the Torah of Atika Stima'a, 
This is the Torah that the tzaddikim spoke about of the Torah of the future, where the distinctions that we typically assume to be true begin to fall away. And a person comes to understand that even when my mind is contemplating and, and struggling over an exoteric text, an idea that seems to be devoid of any enthusiasm or inspiration, offers me the opportunity to connect to God, to connect to myself, to connect to light in a way that is as powerful if I were learning the most esoteric and out there ideas. To try and show this throughout Shas is what the Rebbe is trying to do. It's what the Lubavitch Rebbe spent a lot of time doing in the light of the Ragachever as well. It's what Rabbi Nossin tried to do. It's what the Ramami Pano tried to do. Not tried, but they all succeeded in this. What the Rebbe has done, what Ravitchemeyer Morgenstern does, is he shows it throughout Shulchan Aruch, he shows it throughout Shas, which is, uh, in my humble opinion, an unparalleled project. But what we're going to try and do in this series of Shirim is we're going to look at the first Mishnah in Shas. And we're going to try and uncover 10 themes that are inherent within the Mishnah. And it's not to claim that these are explicit within the Mishnah. Like we've said and announced so many times, each person has their own Nakuda in Torah. Each person sees themselves in the Torah and the Torah in themselves. And therefore, each person finds what they will find through the eyes of their intellect. And so to delve deeply into a Mishnah, to delve deeply into the beginning text of Torah Shabal Peh for the sake of uncovering the hidden light of invisible unity within the visible distortion is going to be what we try and do in this series of Shirim. And Ba'emes, as our tzaddikim have told us, this could be done for every Mishnah and Shas. This could be done for every Daf Gemara. This could be done for every Halacha. But there's something specific about the first Mishnah in the sense that, as we know from the Vilna Gon and his introduction to his parish on the Tzafar Ditznyusa, as well as his parish on Mishlei, that the introduction to something contains the kernel of everything that will eventually emerge from that introduction. And so if Shas begins with the first Mishnah in Masechus Brachos, so then there's something inherent within that Mishnah in Brachos of Me'emesai Korin Shema Ba'arvis, that gives us access to the, the germ cell or that quintessential point of what Torah Shabbat Peh is coming to teach us. Now, in general, to properly descend into the particularities of what it means for Torah Shabbat Peh to emerge out of Torah Shabbat and all of the different iterations of Torah Shabbat Peh would be a completely separate series of shirim. For our purposes, what we're going to do is we're going to lump together Mishnah and Gemara to represent the, the full totality of Torah Shabbat Peh. But in truth, if we were to truly delve into the particulars of Torah Shabbat Peh, Mishnah and Gemara would be two separate worlds. But for our sake, we're going to lump together Mishnah, Talmud, all of it under the guise of Torah Shabbat Peh. But suffice it to say that Torah Shabbat Peh represents a secondary mode of awareness, a secondary mode of experience for a human being in this world. Torah Shebech Sav, the written Torah in its clarity, Panimiya Satora, the Zohar Kadosh, represents a clarified form of information that comes down to an individual devoid of doubts, devoid of concealment, devoid of difficulty. HaKadosh Baruch Hu said this, Moshe conveyed it to us and that's what it is. It's without doubt, it's without questioning. We accept it or we don't accept it. 
It is a light of certainty that emerges directly from the face, so to speak, where there is no confusion. It is compared to the daytime, as Chazal tell us that when Moshe Rabbeinu was in Shemayim receiving the Torah, he received both Torah Shebechsav, the written Torah, as well as the oral Torah, as well as Torah Shebalpeh. And the way that Moshe Rabbeinu was able to discern whether it was daytime or nighttime was the type of Torah Hashem was teaching him. That Torah Shebechsav, the written Torah, was taught during the day because it's as clarified as the day. It's as clear as the sun. There's no confusion. There's no doubts. But when Torah Shabbat was being taught, it was the nighttime because Torah Shabbat is nidmetalayla. It's compared to night. Because Torah Shabbat offers something clear. It offers first postulates. It offers clear ideas that I can receive from above down below. Torah Shabbat is what happens when we lose sight of the original language. Ideally, if it were not for the Chet Egel, if it were not for the Chet Adam HaRishon, there would have been no need on a certain level for Torah Shabbat Peh. Everything that we could possibly ever need to know for ourselves, for the world, for existence, for experience, would have been contained within Chamishei Chumshei Torah, as well as Sefer Yehoshua. But as a result of the human frailty and the human condition being revealed fully in its totality, we're forced into the difficult terrain of Torah Shabbat Peh, where things are no longer clear where we no longer hold on to that original voice from Harsinai, that revelatory voice. Now, Tarsh is born in an echo. It's born at the end of Revelation. It emerges specifically when clarity dies, when Chazal want to describe themselves, when they want to describe what the Talmud Bavli is, when they want to describe the sum total of Shas, the Pusik, the source text that they choose to use to describe the essential character of Shas is that you have restored my soul like the dead of the world in darkness. Zu Talmud Bavli, this is the Talmud of Bavel. That Gemara learning, Mishnah learning, the clarifications that emerge from the confusion and the thicket associated with the many intertwined branches of the six orders of Mishnah is compared to darkness. Our tzaddikim tell us, the Vilnagon tells us, the Ramak tells us that Mishnah is from the language of Shena, of sleep. Ani Shena, I am asleep. Because sleepfulness and unconsciousness represent the inability for the soul to grab hold of the light of the mind. I no longer have the sun of clarity revealing itself to me in the light of Torah Shabbat but I'm forced into Tardema, into translation into a secondary attempt to regain a sense of order. I'm no longer dealing with a clarified idea. I'm working my way back from a shards of a broken idea and trying to piece it back together in such a way that I can perhaps begin to see the outlines of the original. That is only born in confusion. That is only born in the nighttime of one's life, in the unconsciousness of one's life. The Grah also points out, the Ramchal points this out as well, that Mishnah comes from a language of Shinoi. That Mishnah, Torah Shabal Peh, all of the different Siddharim that represent the sum total of Torah Shabal Peh represent the possibility of changes, of changing colors, of changing attitudes, of changing feelings, of sudden shifts in consciousness, sudden shifts in historical development. Torah Shabbat is sturdy, it's, it's stable throughout. 
It makes room for its surprises, it makes room for its traumas, but it's all contained within the singularity of Torah Shebechsav. Torah Shebechsav already is a descent into changes. It's where the human being loses sight of the stability at the core of the soul. It loses sight of that HaKadosh Baruch who wanted to create the individual straight, Adam Yashar, but we were Mavakesh Cheshbonas Rabbos, but we desired all sorts of complications. To be entangled and caught up in the complications of consciousness, of, of subjectivity, what it means to be a human, that's already to be caught up in changing colors. Like Rabbi Nachman tells us that we live in a world of heichal hagvanim hamishtanim, we live in a world of shifting colors, where one moment it's up, one moment it's down, it's an oilam hafuch ra'isi, above is below, below is above. It's the world of confusion, it's the world of pirud, it's the world of tamura, of, of interrelationships between things that appear separate, of unity between things that appear disparate, and separation between things that appear unified. It's a world of opinions, it's a world of lies, it's a world of false claims. That place of being human is the world of Tarish Pets, the place of changes. It's associated, the Vilna Gon tells us, with that that source of doubt that emerges into the world, specifically when the individual is cast out of Gan Eden. If I know where I belong, I know where I am, I have no need to run around trying to find truth from separate places. I can find what I need where I am. But once the individual has experienced that initial trauma of being cast out from their rightful place in Gan Eden, and being caught behind that that perpetual changing colors and the changing hues of doubt, of not knowing if I could go back in now or then or now or then, and being caught up in arrested development because I never know whether it's safe or not, that those shinuyim, those changes that take place in an individual's life, those insignificant shifts that appear to be so bewildering, that's the birthplace of the Mishnah, that's the birthplace of Mishnayos. Our tzaddikim tell us, the Arizal tells us, Rav Chaim Vital tells us, Rashbi tells us, that the six Siddharim of Mishnah representative as the sum total of Tarsh Peh is not by happenstance. Six is a number that is deeply associated with this worldly experience. The six categories of right and wrong, kosher and puzzle, allowed and not allowed, the possibility of getting things wrong, the possibility of not being on the mark, those changes, that instability is deeply associated with Torah Shvalpeh to the extent that it is represented in the number of the Siddharim in Torah Shvalpeh. And not only that, but spatial orientation itself, up, down, right, left, front, back, the shapes of measurement, the shapes of something being one thing and not some other thing, are represented in the essence of Torah Peh, because Torah Peh is only born in concealment, and therefore it contains and it bears the mark of concealment itself. It all emerges from that Eitzadas Tovara, from that place of partaking from that tree of distortion, that tree of doubts in our lives, that gives birth to a Torah of doubt. It gives birth to that darkness, that slumber in one's life, that dreaming state where I no longer know what's right or what's wrong. The Ramak tells us that when a person learns Tarsh Peh, when a person learns Mishnah, they have to be careful because what they're doing is they're engaging with separation. They're engaging with the separation that covers over and conceals the unity of a Baruch Hu. That's what Mishnah is. 
in addition to the time orientation to the spatial orientation that we encounter when we deal with distortion and separation and measurement and specificity, we also find the birthplace of time awareness in Tarish Balpe. Tarish Bersav starts with a claim, when it doesn't matter, Hashem created the world. Tarish Balpez, we're going to see extensively, begins with the question of from when, it's a time question. It's a question of time orientation. And the Tikkun Ezoratelas and the Toysvus Yantif brings it down as well in the Zaktamat of the Parish of Mishnayas, and the Maiser Okeach brings it down as well, explaining what it means that the Shisha Sidre Mishnah of Zra'im, Moed, Nazikim, Nashim, Kodshim, and Taros is Roshe Tevos, it's an acronym of Zman Nakat, that time was taken into consideration. Because the world of Tarsh Valpeh is a world of time. It's a world of being late or early. It's a world of being too late to something that I needed or being too early for something that I need to be present for. It's a world of missed opportunities. It's a world of struggling to gain that precision that we so desperately desire, yet always being turned backwards when we recognize that, oh, I just missed it. That world of the that perception that says, oh, if I was there on time, I could have entered back into Ganeiden. But because I'm just a little bit too late, I can't make it through that rotating fiery sword. That world of that Moshe tarried, Moshe was delayed. It was the sense when Bnei Yisrael felt that Moshe was too late, that he was caught up in a question of time. He wasn't going to arrive properly that we encounter the Chet Ego, which necessitates the creation of Tarish Balpeh. And then at Siv, like we've spoken about numerous times, he says something incredible. What does it mean that Adam and Chava in a prelapsarian state lived without Busha, they lived without shame? Says the Nitziv that Busha also means tarrying, a sense of being late. That Loyus Boshashu that they were not embarrassed, they were not ashamed. It also means that they had no time awareness. They didn't feel that they were late or early to anything. They were exactly where they needed to be in that moment. That is the opposite of Torah Shabal Peh. Torah Shabal Peh on a certain level in the holiest sense is, is a birthplace of, of neurosis, of, of difference of opinion, of struggle, of frustration, of pettiness at times or apparent pettiness an engagement with argumentation and allowing my own subjectivity to get involved in the svara, that place of imprecision. Chazal tell us in Medrash Tanhuma Parshas Noach that Paspamelech Tochal, what does it mean to be a person who properly subserviates themselves, who gives themselves over, submits themselves, surrenders themselves to the light of HaKadosh Baruch Hu? It means someone who's willing to suffer for the sake of Tarish Peh. Because Tarish Valpeh is a place of suffering. We suffer for the Torah and it transforms itself into a Torah of suffering. That the Yagiya of Tarish Valpeh is the goof of Tarish Valpeh. The struggle over understanding and clarifying Tarish Valpeh is in and of itself the function of Tarish Valpeh. It's the awareness that the soul has to struggle for truth in a world where truth has fallen apart and shattered. That place of Shinoi, that place of difficulty that place of time awareness. And then we encounter something profound because obviously HaKadosh Baruch Hu is not throwing us into a despondent place of separation. Obviously HaKadosh Baruch Hu is not throwing us into a place of concealment just because. 
But anytime we find ourselves in a place of concealment, anytime we find ourselves in a place of darkness, anytime we find our ourselves in a place of fear, it's for the sake of revealing a deeper comfort that could not have been revealed without the fear. It's for the sake of revealing a deeper sense of peace that could not have been revealed except for the war. It's about revealing a deeper sense of truth that cannot be revealed except through the lie itself. It's for the sake of revealing an ascension that could not be revealed without the descent. It's for the sake of revealing an unbridled unity of HaKadosh Baruch Hu that could only be revealed through the limitation and the constriction of this worldly experience. So on the one hand, we know that the Mishnah is time awareness, space awareness, anxiety awareness, struggling for truth, zman nakat, being thrown into a world of shinuyim, of changes, being thrown into a world of darkness, of slumber. But at the very same point, it's axiomatic that the descent into the world of Tarish Balpeh is not accidental, but rather it is absolutely necessary for the sake of revealing the light that will come about afterwards. And here's where we find profound statements from Chazal and Vayikra Rabbah that, that Geula itself is dependent on Liban HaMishnayos. That the study of Torah Shvalpeh is in and of itself the very thing that brings about redemption. Not because it's some merit of study that brings about redemption, but the study of Torah Shvalpeh itself is redemption. Because redemption is nothing other than returning back from darkness, back to that original space of light and coming to realize that, wow, what I thought was darkness was ultimately an incubator for a deeper sense of light. And at that point, the Ramchal tells us, we'll say, you will gladden us like the days of our suffering. We will come to understand that the suffering was there only to give birth to a deeper joy. And the secret of the tzaddikim is that they tell us this while we're still in the suffering so we can taste that light of the future in the present. That the secret of Tarash Shvalpeh is descending into confusion for the sake of revealing that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is found in the confusion as well. Mishnah is osios neshama, the Arizal tells us. That when I learn a Mishnah, I'm a place within my neshama that cannot have been revealed if not for the descent into the Mishnah. I enter into that space, that territory of Olam HaYitzira, of all of the ever-changing colors of experience for the sake of elevating it back up to the world of supernal unity, of bringing Nigla Satora back into that place of Nistara Satora, of unity, of showing how unity and disunity are simply two expressions of the ultimate unity of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And in this sense, yes, Mishnah is from the language of Shena, of slumber, but the Kilas Yaakov points out that Mishnah is also Roshetevos Me'oyrashinas Nishmas Hakadosha. That Mishnayos is awakening the soul from its slumber. That Talmud Bavli is what wakes us up, the study of Vagisa Boyoimam Velayla. That I transform the night into a day. That I'm Mahapech Layla into a Yom. That's the Koyach of Tarash Balpeh, to take confusion, to take the language of translation and changes and time and space and to descend and delve into the confusion and allow myself to be afraid and allow myself to be blocked out from the light of truth. And to truly ask the question of what in the world is this coming to talk about and then forcing myself to a place of truth, what I've done is I have dragged the opposite of truth into truth. I have dragged the Hava Mina itself, that mistaken first assumption, into the Maskana. I have tasted that light of Eluv Elu Diver Leikem Chaim, that these and those, both right and wrong, up and down, are all expressive of the unified light of Akadish Baruch Hu. Rabbi Nachman tells us something incredible in the 79th teaching, the first volume of Lakutim Aran, 
that yes, Mishnah represents the engagement with the six days of the week and confusion and concealment and distortion and all of the different synonyms that represent the natural anxiety of the spirit in its own most human conditionality. But at the very same point, don't think that the opposite of Mishnah is something other than Mishnah. The opposite of Mishnah is Mishnah in a redeemed way. That Shabbos itself is a time of Mishnah. Shabbos itself is a time of Torah Shabbat but it's the Torah Shabbat when it's revealed to be reflective of the deepest light imaginable. That only by descending into the slumber and the confusion and the concealment of that Lahat Acherap and Mesapeches, do I have the capacity to ascend afterwards and realize that, oh my goodness, when I was asleep, I was also awake. When I was in darkness, I was also tasting light. When I was in that boring space of revealed Torah, I was also tasting the infinite light of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. When I was in that place of confusion, I was still in a place of clarity. And at that point, the person comes back armed with not only Torah Shebiqsav, but Torah Shebaqsav as well. And we bring back to HaKadosh Baruch Hu this worldly experience and we say, Hashem, we transformed your world of concealment into a world of Torah. The Balatanya teaches us, the Rebbe Rashab teaches us, all of the tzaddikim teach us that this world is a world of Torah Shabbat because our job is to transform this world into Torah itself. That Golis itself is simply representative of the struggle of clarifying the untruths that are inherent with the existence of time and space, which is Torah Shabbat And our job is to be mevarer halacha aliba dehilchasa to come in contact with the depth, with that singular point of truth that exists within all things, to recognize that HaKadosh Baruch Hu, we can't only find you in the light, but we can find you in darkness as well. Rav Tzadik HaKohen tells us that it's for this reason that Shas begins with Meseches Brachos. Because Meseches Brachos, Brachos Rosh Tzadik, a blessing, the need for a blessing only emerges from the encounter of cursedness. That if everything is clarified, there's no need for a bracha. It's only when a person finds themselves in dire straits that they're in need for a bracha to be redeemed. It's only when we encounter a physical object which appears to be counterintuitive and separate from our spiritual consciousness that we need to make a bracha to be matirit to ourselves, to take that which has fallen and elevate it back into a state of fixedness. Brachos implies that I'm already stuck in the human conditionality of assuming things are fallen and irredeemable, and the bracha allows me to elevate it back up into a place of kedusha. As we know from the tzaddikim, from the Arizal and the Rashash, when I make a bracha in Matbeya bracha, the kavanos of what it means to say Baruch Ata Hashem, I am quite literally drawing down the infinite light of a Kaddish Baruch Hu down into the vessels of separation. That's what brachos is about. And without those vessels of separation, there would be no chiddush of drawing down that infinite light. So Shas has to start with brachos to represent the fact that all of this concealment, all of these six sides of Mishnah and changes and concealment and slumber, it's all there to reveal the hamshach of that or ain't sof in a deeper way. And then we go further of Tzadok and the Tzadikim of Ishbitz and Radzin and the Vilna Gon, they ask the question, why is it say there's Zra'im that we start off with? Why is Meseches Brachos contained within the Seder's Ra'im, the agricultural rules of what it means to be an individual who eats from the ground, of what it means to be a person and laws of his kashras to the Aretz? But let's see what we're looking at. Aretz represents the lowest level of experience. It's the most mundane of physical elements. It's the stuckness, that gravitational pull that we naturally feel that pulls us down to areas of despondency and hopelessness. 
but to transform that ground, that fallow ground into a place of growth, exponential growth, the light of Eretz Yisrael, the light of Malchusa Kadisha, that lowest element of HaKadosh Baruch Hu's revelation, which will be revealed to be the highest level of HaKadosh Baruch Hu's revelation. That world of Malchus, that world of femininity without eyes, of concealment, of groping around in the dark, that is the place of Azra'im where growth will take place. Or Zarua Letzadik Uliyashrelev Simcha, that the light is sown for the Tzadik. It's not apparent at first. Or Zarua Letzadik Uliyashrelev Simcha, Sofei Tevas Akiva. And we know that all of the halachos in the Mishnah, that they go according to Rabbi Akiva, because Rabbi Akiva is the Shairish of Tarish Balpeh. Moshe Rabbeinu is the Shairish of Tarish Bechsav, that clarity. Rabbi Akiva is the Shairish of Tarish Balpeh, that light of clarity that emerges specifically from within disunity. That Rabbi Akiva lived a difficult life until the age of 40, until he reached that letter Mem, which represents the opening of Tarish Balpeh of Me'em Masai. That Rabbi Akiva was nichnas b'shalom v'yatsa v'shalom. And we know that Shas Mishnayos ends with Maseches Uksin talking about that ein, ein matza kli ro'i lebracha ela ha-shalom. That shalom is the essence of all things. Shalom is making peace from amongst distortion. A distorted vision of myself, that tornness of the soul that Rabbi Akiva experiences. It's only redeemed when we understand the light of or zarua letzadik u'liyushrelev simcha. That secret of Kriyat Shema, of, of Masar Nefesh Al-Echad, that Rabbi, Rabbi Akiva understands the need to give his life over for the sake of Echad, of unifying that which appears disparate. That place of Shema Yisrael, which is exactly what we start Seder Zra'im off with, of Me'im Masai Korin Shema Ba'arvis. The entire question of Tarish Valpeh is how do I find the unity of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that Shema Yisrael Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad in the world of Me'em Masai, in the world of fear, in the world of time, in the world of separation, in that world of Rabbi Akiva. How do I proclaim my faith in HaKadosh Baruch Hu? As we're going to see as we descend into the particularities of the Mishnah. Seder Zra'im, we're told, is referred to as Emuna, Emuna Zu Seder Zra'im. Why? Because that was our Chazal tell us and our Tzadikim of Ishbitz and Radzin tell us in the Parshios of Lech Lecha and Vayera that to be Mazria in the ground, to plant something in the ground is to engage in an act of absolute destruction. I plant the seed from my own funds and I allow it to be swallowed up by the earth. I give it over, I let it die and I lose hope in it. But it's specifically at that moment that Amuna emerges. Without that darkness, there's no need for Amuna. It's only in face of that darkness that Amuna grows. And a person plants with trust in the Chaya HaOilamim. And that Or, or Kitov, those Tes Prakim of Masechus Brachos, Tes representing the goodness that is hidden within itself, like the Zohar HaKadosh tells us. That to learn Mishnayos, to enter into the world of Tarsh Balpeh, is to engage with the deepest confrontation of what it means to be a human being in this world. Rav Tzadok says that the reason Shas starts off with the question of nighttime is because Shas is nighttime. Shas is representation of nighttime in the human mind. It's that place of clarifying truth from within untruth, of clarifying faith from within concealment. And what we're going to see, Be'ezra Sashem, is how the Mishnah, how all of Shas can offer us passages, pathways towards encountering HaKadosh Baruch Hu in the quieter areas of our lives. Because when we learn Mishnah, we awaken our neshama 
we awaken our soul, we allow ourselves to become part of the Mishnah. Rav Chaim Vital in Shari Kadusha and Chelak Dalit in Shari Kadusha, the meditative manuscript that was concealed for so long, expresses very clearly that if a person wants to contemplate HaKadosh Baruch Hu in a state of calmness, if a person wants to encounter that Manucha Kitov, that calmness of the spirit, sit in a dark room, close your eyes, breathe in, hold it, exhale, allow oneself to get comfortable in their chair, wherever they might be, forget the outside world, forget the confusion of the outside world, forget the terror of the outside world. And when a person has finally found that inner space in the mind, that based on Mikdash of the mind, choose a Mishnah. And when you begin repeating that Mishnah over and over and over again, slowly but surely, quietly but sturdily, a person begins to become part of Tarsh A person begins to feel as if they are part of Shisha Sidra Mishnah. That the Siddharam of Mishnah, we're masader ourselves. We take ourselves from disorder, from bilti seder, and we transform ourselves into a state of seder, into a state of cohesiveness and connectivity. We know famously that the Shairish of the Minhag of Tikkun Leil Shavuos comes from the Chavraya Kadisha in the town of Svas, of Meisha Alshech and the Beis Yosef and the Magen Meisharim. And as it's recorded in the Shlach Kadosh, the Beis Yosef, and his Chavraya were reading from the Zayar Kadosh and reading Mishnayos, Balpeh, over and over. And then at a certain point, one of the Chavraya, one of the Tzadikim began to be overcome and they began to lose themselves and a Baskol began to emerge from within them. And the Lashon that that Baskol says is, Ani ha-Mishnah midaberes misoich grono. I am the Mishnah speaking from within your throat. And our tzaddikim tell us that that's not only for the tzaddikim. Each and every one of us can reach that level of ani ha-mishnah medaberes misach grono. I am that light of the Mishnah speaking from within you. Your awareness in a state of concealment, in a state of changes, in a state of slumber. Your awareness in a world of concealment and difficulty. Your ability to transform that space into Torah is what transforms you into the Mishnah itself. And in that way, we become, like our tzaddikim tell us, part and parcel of the undying, unending, unfolding process of the infinite Torah that is Torah Shabbat until it comes back to Torah Shabbat uniting the two of them together. And so Be'ezra Sashem, what we're going to try and encounter in these shirim is to confront the Shena, that, that slumber, that deep confusion associated with Mishnah, and to awaken ourselves, to learn how not to fall asleep, but rather how do I proclaim Shema Yisrael Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad specifically at nighttime? How do I find the light of a Kaddish Baruch at night? Be'ezra Hashem, what we'll focus on next week is going to be the first word and the first concept of the Mishnah of Me'em Masai Korin at Shema Ba'arvis. Be'ezra Hashem. This podcast is supported in part from a grant from the Hadar Institute. The music is by Zusha. The audio engineer is David Kwan. For more from the Shefa Podcast Network, visit our Facebook page and please subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts.